0: Hello and welcome to Time's Tall Tales. Today I am joined by the wonderful Laura Thompson and today on Time's Tall Tales I will take you through the curse of La Llorona Uh, and later on we'll go over to History on Trial to discuss Qing Shi, the pirate queen of China. And just a little warning, uh, we do discuss topics of a sensitive nature including themes of suicide, murder and prostitution. So... Let's go on to La Llorona, shall we? So, um, La Llorona's, uh, for the time still tells, we'll be talking about La Llorona. Uh, The Weeping Woman, uh, which no doubt almost everyone must have heard of, you know, with all the films, TV shows and other media, um, either being based on her or mentioned her and her tale. I mean, there are a plethora of films dating back as early as the 1930s, telling the tale of the weeping woman. She's appeared in theatre, literature, music, TV and more. And I'll talk about her role in pop culture later, but for now I want to talk about La Llorona herself. So let's start by asking you, as usual, what you already know about La Llorona, Laura. <laughs>
1: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I feel this is this is becoming personal now. I have never heard of her before.
0: Um... N- have you um, have you been living under a rock?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'd, I. How have you yeah. not heard of La
1: No, I mean I've heard of like the tale of you know the weeping woman as such, but I I've never actually heard specifically of La Llorona. No. I can imagine. Catch she's up, just,
0: Laura. Catch
1: just,
0: up. Right. So. You have no idea, then, not even a clue what no. she looks like or anything. You
1: enlighten me.
0: <laughs> so she's often described as a ghostly woman, uh, wearing white, with a face covered in tears, wailing in the night on the banks of a river. And she's often said to be crying the words "I miei," meaning "Oh, my children," or "Oh, my sons." And that'll make sense later. <laughs> to tell you the the story. So first I want to talk about her name though, um, and though originally her name was different, usually tending to be told as Maria, I want to talk more of the title La Llorona, uh, which is most often translated as either the earlier mentioned The Weeping Woman, um, but it is sometimes translated as The Wailer, Um and this obviously stems from her cries in the night. But similar, La Llorona is also sometimes referred to as La Gritona, meaning a uh, shouting, screaming, or hollering woman. Um, but in Mexico, uh, La Llorona is also sometimes referred to as La Malinche, um, who was a real historical indigenous woman. The La Malinche was a Nahua woman who acted as an interpreter and lover to Hernan Cortez um, when he led an expedition from Spain to the Americas and she indirectly caused the fall of the Aztec Empire, after which Hernan soon left her for a Spanish woman of higher status, um, much like the stories of La Llorona. Um, Now, La Malinche uh, is seen in Mexico as both a mother to the modern Mexican people and a traitor, of which both are seen in the character of Mene, but not all La Llorona myths. she is the mother and the murderer, and maybe it is this similarity that has caused a link between this folktale and this historical woman. So, for those who haven't heard of on, um, you're probably wondering what the tale goes like. So, really, there are many, many versions of the um, story. Uh, Folktales span from Venezuela to the southwest United States, um, each region obviously having their own version. But the general story goes um, a bit like one day, a beautiful young woman named Maria was living in a rural village when a handsome and wealthy man happened by. He was struck by her beauty and stopped. The two fell in love and got married. Together they had two children and lived a happy life, but over time the husband began to pay less and less attention to the wife, and eventually his eyes drifted elsewhere. He then left Maria for another young and beautiful woman of his own status. In a fit of jealous rage, Maria took their children down to the river and drowned them in the waters so that her husband may feel pain. Once she had realised what she had done, she was immediately overcome with deep regret and remorse, and was so filled with grief that she died, and more often threw herself into the river and drowned herself like her children. Um, But because of her deed, she returned as La Llorona, uh, a ghostly woman, or bruja, um, meaning witch, who wanders the night crying out for her children. And now she will steal children the night, take them to a river or lake or other water source, and drown them to try and replace the children that she has lost. Now, there are many variations on this tale, um, from small things like a change of name, to larger things like changing her motivations, from her husband leaving her to her husband trying to take away her children because they are illegitimate. This, of course, should be expected from a folktale that is spread across two continents, no less. Uh, yet, despite the huge variations, at least three things stay constant: a ghostly woman, wailing girl crying, and water. Which, to me, is probably the most curious of the three. Um, I don't know if it's true, I'm, I'm speculating it, um, but from what I have seen, it seems that when a person or being is, a, is ascribed connotations to things like water or fertility or something like that, in a colonial context, or in a context where a foreign religion like Christianity is taking over, the person or being tends to be related in some way to native mythologies. Uh, and since the switching religion, they have survived through folklore. Uh, for example, um, let me just give you a quick example. Uh, in Ireland, after the introduction of Christianity, Saint Bridget grew out of the goddess Bridget. Um, and this is probably not the case for all, but it may be the case for some. So, what do you think of the tale?
1: <laughs> I I was still trying to process it. Really, like a lot. A lot happens in quite a short amount of well obviously probably it's over years and years and years but yeah there's um i i understand what you mean by like uh water being quite often ascribed to <coughs> especially female figures i think water tends to Definitely. be quite like a big part of it um and i, I really like the idea of that. I don't like the idea that's the wrong word <laughs> this might make me sound a little bit creepy um I really like the idea that uh you know the the deep regret and the remorse sort of like the the shift in character from murderer to absolutely you know destroyed with grief I think it almost to me sounds a little bit um demonic like a little bit almost like demonic possession kind of sense i think that's quite an interesting part of it because you don't necessarily you, you you try not to sort of cross things over when it comes to mythology and demonology and things like that but that's hmm that's quite a lot to to process in in one story i think
0: mm. so we're just sitting on the fence of the panther side just <laughs> just on the <laughs> fence about that
1: no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Quick, move on, move on. <laughs> Don't think look so bad. Um, so you mentioned that there's quite a lot of variations on this, yeah?
0: Yeah, um, well, some of them, so uh, like in Venezuela, some believe that La Llorona was a woman who had lost her husband in a war and raised her child or children alone and eventually grew frustrated with them and so murdered them. Now her spirit takes and then kills children in the night, which
1: it's yeah. a. It's always these children these creatures take, like
0: well, yeah. Well, I suppose it's a, I suppose it's about the vulnerability of children; they're the easiest prey in that way, aren't they? Yeah. That sounds really... like such a callous way of talking about it, but yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: yeah, like if you think about society as a whole like the easiest like persuadable people would be you know children and if you had like a a caring mother figure well I mean it, obviously you did at this point they probably wouldn't know that she's a murderer Um but like if you had a very sort of caring female figure coming towards you you wouldn't necessarily feel so threatened until you learned that she was a murderous spirit.
0: And adding to that, you've got to think um, children are often represented as innocent um, as basically the embodiment of good, and then you always get them contrasted with these figures of evil or malevolence, and so this kind of, that element to stories like this it's the good versus evil, it's the innocent versus the corrupted hmm. So, um and another version um, which obviously this one takes the complete this takes the children out of it and um, the first ever written account um, it's a very different story yeah uh, it was a poem written by manuel carpio in 1883 uh, this is the first mention of La your in writing and it tells of a woman named rosalia uh, who is murdered by her husband and so stalks rivers at night while weeping so it's very, very different, but again, you see these constant themes of um, wailing, ghostly woman, and water. Interesting. But obviously, um, there are many, many, many other versions yeah. of this. They can, you know, vary by region, by town, <laughs> by people. Two people yeah. in the same town may have completely different views of light. Like, so
1: a personal thing that is sorry it's quite like a personal thing then sort of when it comes to I'm thinking almost a little bit more generally now when it comes to folklore it's almost a bit more you know you know the version that your family would have told you essentially
0: yeah it is folklore is a very personal subject it's something that is unique not even just to the family to the person because if you think on the things that we believe, um, we've brought up in the traditions of our family, but we may differ um, even in the family, we see certain, even um, non-prominent figures, politicians, things like that, we see them very differently in our families. So, never mind the ghost of spirit that you think is stalking around your house. <laughs> You're going to see them very differently, aren't you? So, speaking of this sort of thing, um, I want to talk about the, the purpose of the tale. Now many different explanations have been offered for the tale of Runner, um, because many want to know what the purpose of the tale is, and why tell a story of a ghostly woman who drowns children. And to these questions, there have been many answers proposed, you know, some say that the tale is there to prevent children from playing near dangerous waters. Is therefore kind of a cautionary tale to warn children of the dangers of drowning. Um, you quite also
1: quite an elaborate way of making children not play in rivers.
0: But then again, we it happens all over the world. I mean, um, we we have one in Britain. Don't we? Uh, is it the one that is like a green ladder that hides under the wall? <laughs> What is it, Granny Green sleeves or something like
1: that? Well, <laughs> uh, we might have to save that one for another episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: Spoilers, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, also uh, similar. Some said the tale is to discourage children from wandering after dark, and um, so like the above, it is a way to keep children out of danger. So I mean, maybe the the using lie your owner as a really scary thing to deter them from going out of the dark because if you describe a person it's not going to be as scary to a child is it? Yeah I, I, guess, uh... I mean as a child what would you find more scary? A ghost woman who drags children to the death or a man who may attack you? that's
1: <laughs> Uh, to be honest, as a child, I was terrified of everything. So, <laughs> but no, no, I think... I
0: it... found out about 20 minutes ago that you couldn't sleep from twilight. <laughs>
1: yes! <laughs> so... <laughs> it like two weeks to recover from
0: twilight. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should gloss over that fact. Uh... Yeah. Um, I mean, also, another explanation is some say that the tailors told the children to make them behave similar to that of the bogeyman in many western cultures. and uh, used to frighten young children into behaving or to sleep. I mean who didn't grow up as a child thinking that the bogeyman was gonna get um hiding under your bed. You
1: have to check the bed wardrobe. every
0: night. Yeah. yeah. Um so Laurona may be a version maybe a bogeyman to the people in Central America. Hmm. Um if we're crossing away from the children aspect, some say that it's a tale of a woman who falls victim of patriarchal values. Um, because when you think about it, um, no blame ever falls to the man who abandoned his family. Um, which obviously is very interesting because it's one of those meanings that's a lot less obvious, but it does make a lot of sense. I mean, with the first ever written account being of a woman who was a victim of domestic violence. Oh. And we're talking, this is set around the probably the 1600s, 1700s, um, kind of in that ballpark. So this is obviously a time when it was rigid patriarchy. There was a rigid patriarchy. I mean, there is today, but I mean, a lot more rigid than today that would have, obviously... The woman wouldn't probably be able to provide the same amount as the man because of the restrictions she had on her as a woman in those times. Mm.
1: Woman well, I is so. entirely deliberate, isn't it? They you you restrain what your partner can do physically, and therefore they are essentially <clears throat> nothing without you. Yeah. And this, this seems to be quite like a like a thing that I've noticed is that one person always gets. You know, the wool pulled over their eyes by another, and you know, suddenly they're the the one that's going around, you know, kidnapping children. And yes, they're the bad guy because don't kidnap children, but also they've not exactly had the best of life, have they?
0: Yeah. And I I think more and probably more prevalent in the tale um, is the theme of class and race. And a lot of people think that's an explanation for the tale um, because you've got the character arc of the man leaving the woman for a woman of higher status um, so you've got the whole class aspect um, especially in the as in the story and a lot of the tellings La Llorona is often told as a poor indigenous woman uh, where her husband was a rich white man of Spanish descent and the woman he leaves her for is often a rich white woman of Spanish descent so and we must consider this uh, tale is set in a time when most of Central America, along with a lot of North and South America were part of the Spanish Empire with many rigid, racist institutions in place that were disadvantaging and oppressing the indigenous people of the area Um, so you've got to think there's this whole race and class aspect of it she is being tossed aside for uh, a, a rich white woman where she is a poor indigenous woman. Mm.
1: It's very much you can see the sort of the the widow scorned kind of scene uh, appearing here for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a constant theme throughout the variations, isn't it? That the husband either dies or leaves or rejects her. Like that's that's quite constant throughout the tales, isn't
0: it? Yeah. And it, it, it's it's kind of this, um, I mean, you've got, you've got to think this is a woman who has been left by her husband, which is traumatic enough, to, and she has to raise two children herself. She is a victim of patriar- of the patriarchy, um, telling her she can't do such and such thing because she's a woman, um, and oppressing her that way. Then you've got the whole aspect of class. She's poor, and the rich husband has left her. She's got no money. And then you've got uh, and she's got to raise two children on that, and then you've got the whole aspect of race. She's even further oppressed from being indigenous rather than of Spanish descent. Hmm. And it's... so can we really blame her? Well we can't because we don't we kill can't people. Don't but that, children. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Don't>... <laughs> children is a very good message to take from this. Um, but I mean, um, we've got to think of the motivations. It's not in a vacuum, she is. You know, under it's all not this black pressure, and yeah, she's under the pressure from the, you know, the oppression of race, the oppression of sex, and then the whole oppression of class as well, as well as having two children and being left by her husband. She's gonna not act in a
1: sane way.
0: Sane way, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, there are many, many other interpretations of the folk tale that can even be personal people can interpret it however they want uh, and if you want me to tell you which one is correct um i can't uh, for all these inter- interpretations are valid and so are all the others that you may be thinking at home now um now the same tale can have many different meanings to many different people and um, so i want to ask you laura what does the tale mean to you how would you interpret it
1: um i think. One, uh, uh, two ways, first way, I would interpret it very much as a warning story, like the first two that you mentioned, the idea of, um, it's a little bit like Pied Piper of Hamlin, you know, Stranger Danger kind of thing. The idea is there that, you know, don't follow random people down a river late at night. Uh, You would think that kind of be common sense by now, but then again, you know, it is children and the they they respond a lot better to creative and imaginative stories I'd say when it comes to warnings. My other interpretation I have would be is that whether it was intentional or not with the the original story, I think it is a very big middle finger basically to all the the restraints that you mentioned, you know, class, race, sex. It's if you think about the actual story putting it in writing and just completely ignoring the the effects that money and people had on this woman and like to the extent it drove her to you know to to drown your children and yourself obviously I'm, i'm going off the the original interpretation here it's that's that's incredibly drastic you know it's you wouldn't just do that you know something has to traumatize you so much that you would you know take your own life to this extent and I think really it's quite a big I think it's sort of almost from a modern perspective I'd say it's a commentary on sort of treatment of individual peoples of poor peoples and specifically
0: so that's yeah. quite a lot of in one <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um, uh, that is a complete valid interpretation as I say it's folklore, anyone can have their own opinion on it uh, I'm personally not actually made up about what my opinion on it and its purpose is um, so now I want to move on to the origins of the, the tale you Now there have been many Explanations for the origins of the Weeping Woman, um, and the Mean Men. So, as I mentioned earlier about La Llorona, um, she may have her origins in pre-Columbian mythology, as it um, has been suggested that she may have links to many Aztec goddesses, um, like uh who is said to have covered herself in chalk and walked the streets at night wailing to the bold war. Uh, La Llorona has also been seen to maybe have links with the goddess Cihuacipitlín. Uh, who died in childbirth, uh, and then returned to haunt the living. Uh, the goddess Siwa Coquatel, uh, who roamed the night dressed in white, crying for her lost child with a cradle on her shoulder. Uh, the goddess Chalciutliquay, uh, who was a water goddess and was associated with water-related deaths like drownings. And also the goddess Quatliquay, who was supposedly heard crying for her Aztec children on the eve of the Spanish conquest. Um, now there was also a similarity between La Llorona and some of the uh, elements in some of the legends of the Chumash Native Americans who reside in parts of the southwest of what is today the state of California. Uh, the Chumash believed in nunasis or spirits from the underworld that will come up to this, the middle world, at night to create problems for people like disease etc. Um, and one type of nunasis in particular, the Maxalor, um, which, although bearing no physical semblance to La at all, um, was said to cry in the night um, as an omen of death. Um, but, honestly, tales of wailing women and other folklore similar to that of La are also found in Iberia, as well as many other places around the world. You have the Rusalka and Slavic folklore, who are female spirits associated with water who dragged humans to watery deaths and they themselves are said to have arisen from drowned women either by suicide or murder. Um, you have the Banshee in the folklore island, uh, which we've already done an episode on if you want to check that out on Spotify. Um, you have the parallels with Medea and Greek mythology, who left her homeland of Colchis and her ki- uh, father, King Aetes, to marry Jason and travelled with him and the Argonauts to Corinth, where they lived happily and had sons together only for Jason to abandon her for the king's daughter Creusa, while she and her sons were to be banished from Corinth. So Medea killed her own sons, the king and Creusa, which, really, when you think about that specific tale with Medea, that is very, very, very similar to that of La um, And also you have links suggested with the infanticidal Lamia in Greek mythology too. Um, You have stories of a white lady ghost, uh, which appear all over the world, spanning from Britain and the Czech Republic to Thailand and Brazil. Um, She's even been compared to the biblical Lilith, uh, who refused to be subservient to Adam and so left the Garden of Eden and became the mother of demons, according to Judeo-Christian folklore, uh, among many other explanations. So I want to ask you, Laura, what do you think her origins? Are they pre-Columbian? Is she Spanish in port? Is she part of a worldwide phenomenon? Is she simply a new original legend from Mesoamerica? Or is she all of these or none at all?
1: <laughs> That's a big old question to ask. Um, to me, when it comes to creatures in folklore, so not just sort of terror, but creatures in folklore, I think there's very much a universal folklore creature. So there's very much a universal wailing woman. You know, if we if we look at all the examples that you just gave, it it's clear that every society has their own version. So I do think that La Llorona is actually, you know, having her origins in um Oh, it's really hard to put into words. I believe that she is a creation of her. I believe it is a creation of her own people. So, but the actual story itself, I think it's very hard to tell where the like who who gets the first story. You know, who gets to claim that? Oh, I said it first because there it might not be written down. You know, it, it, they're usually verbal. Folklores are very much handed down through um verbal communication so it's incredibly hard to actually say oh I had it first so in terms of her origins I, I honestly think it's, it's universal I think the actual idea of a wailing woman is a universal thing she just happens to be a version of it
0: see um, I disagree with you here um, because Ooh. I personally believe that she's mm-hmm. uniquely Mesoamerican in origin because I believe she first arose from those myths about Aztec goddesses in the melting pot of colonialist Central America, surrounded by the patriarchal, classist and racist agendas of the time. Um, And really, because despite all these explanations, I don't believe that any of them fully capture the essence of La Llorona. Uh, She may share story elements, she may share themes or common actions, but none of them quite capture the horror the emotion, the fear of La um, and none of them truly reflect the world that La Llorona grew out of. But I do believe that La Llorona is not a, a completely alone. Um, she is symptomatic of our fears about life and death and the actions we take that straddle the two. Uh, it, it's it's a way of explaining these horrible events that actually happen, because mothers sometimes do kill the children, and maybe La Llorona was a way to explain those events happening but i do believe she's unique um in the the characterization she's given the tale she's given and the whole feel of the folklore ah. so lastly i want to talk about her presence in pop culture today and uh, now la llorona has become a staple of hispanic culture being prominent in the cultures of mexico Venezuela, the Southwest United States, and more. Uh, her tale is tragic, but it is also one of horror, and so understandably she is most prominent in that genre. Uh, to name a few examples, she has appeared in Supernatural TV shows like *Crim* and Supernatural, um, she has appeared in films like Ramon Peón's La Llorona in 1933, uh, and has recently joined the Conjuring universe with the film The Curse of La Llorona, uh, which is a really good film, and you should check it out because it is really good. It's a great Halloween watch too. Um, she's appeared in theatre shows like that of Josefina Lopez's Unconquered Spirits. Uh, she's appeared in literature like the aforementioned Manuel Carpio's poem La Llorona in 1883, uh, and was mentioned in Yaqueda Diaz's 2019 memoir, Ordinary Girls. Uh, she has also been the subject of many songs from Mexican folk music, to the song La Llorona featuring on the soundtrack of Disney's Coco Um, so it's safe to say that she is definitely an iconic figure for many across the Spanish speaking world Um, so now I do want to ask, now you've heard the story, the themes, her origins and everything, what are your impressions of the Weeping Woman coming out of it?
1: I I have sympathy for her but at the same time, you can't, you know, the whole idea is that we we look at this as it was, you know, meant to be viewed by people in the past. And, you know, we, we can't do that with modern brains because it's not, we just can't necessarily translate. And I don't mean literally in terms of language, but it's it means different things to every single person. My impression is, yeah, I feel, I feel sympathy, but I'm also very wary of the fact that, well, of the fact that there is now a small pond growing in my garden from the amount of rain and I'm now kind of scared of water. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it is, it's a scary story, you know, and it's, it's meant to be. If you think about, if we take the interpretation that it's meant to be a warning, you know, not just to children, but a warning to people as well. A sort of like a, like exposing, the what has happened. You know, inequality. I think it's incredibly scary, really.
0: Um. Yeah. It's, it is a really, uh, really scarer and uh, kind of story. And obviously, it plays in our fears of, as you say, water, but also death of um, these events that happen where mothers may kill the children and kind of our our fears of domestic violence, our fears of of murder, uh, all these kind of fears. And that's what folklore tends to grow out of, our fears or uh, our joys in life. And it is, it's kind of, it's made by the people. And so, therefore it's going to be understood in a personal way um if that makes sense (laughs) it may have just been ramblings (laughs) but i tried to make that make sense um so do you have any more points you want to pick up on or
1: um don't go walking by rivers in the dark
0: yep that's pretty good advice (laughs) (laughs) um so just for the listeners Mm -hmm. um well, if you want to if you want to find out more about La Llorona's origins, uh, then I recommend checking out Basil F. Kirtley's 1960 article La Llorona and Related Themes in the July issue of Western Folklore. Uh, or if you want to know more about La Llorona and the Patriarcha and how it relates to Aztec goddesses, then please check out Ana Maria Carbonell's 1999 article From La Llorona to Gritona, Coat Feminist Tales by Montes and Cisneros, in the summer edition of Religion, Myth and Ritual in the M.E.L.U.S. journal. Um, or for just a quick fix, um, check out the entry on La in and the Oxford Companion to Women's Writing in the United States.